I saw a lot of companies hiring influencers as DevRel. So I have seen this big change in companies now hiring people that actually may not have huge followings or may not have big YouTube channels or may not have all these things, but they have good experience in delivering either high quality content, but also are really good at producing feedback loops that allow developers to actually feel heard and also feel like the company cares about them. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got James Perkins. Hey, James, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Long time fan of the show. Yeah, yeah, pleasure. Yeah, you, you, you've worked in Jamstack companies uh, in the past, and so happy to have you. I've also, uh, you're prolific in content creation. You have a TikTok, you have a YouTube podcast. Actually, you mentioned you have a podcast. What's, what, what podcast do you do? Yeah, so I do a podcast called Developers Hangout. And instead of talking about tech all the time, we talk about the other stuff that we do. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> projects and hobbies and fun things like that. Uh, to kind of keep it light, it's nice to kind of digress from all that tech that we normally talk about every day. Excellent. Yeah, and so wanted to actually ask, so you talked about your, your, your podcast, which is basically the last 10 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> it sounds like your entire podcast, which is our, our jam picks. But I, I did want to ask, like, what's your, could you just give us an intro on, on James? Who are you? How'd you get here? Yeah, yeah. So my name's James Perkins. Uh, I've been in the industry for over 13 years now, working from big, big, big companies all the way down to small startups, pre-seed, seed, and Series A's. Yeah, I make content on YouTube, educational content, things around the Jamstack mostly, mostly Next.js stuff. And then obviously, you know, I have a podcast and I do a lot of stuff on Twitter. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Excellent. Yeah, so you've been around. So what's the biggest company you work for? I worked for IGT, which is the largest provider of the lottery and also slot machines at Vegas. I worked there for, uh, for a couple of years. That's probably the biggest one. Oh, excellent. You probably shared the secret sauce of them, the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually kind of a weird algorithm and it takes like months of testing to to just get the right amount of wins per machine. And then they have to like do a bunch of like closed source code that goes in and it's just Java, if anyone's interested. <laughs> and like, yeah, they then like put that in the machine and that's how they program it on a little tiny board. It's wild. Oh, okay. Craziest thing I ever saw. Good to know. That sounds like a, a cool weekend project. Uh, I don't know Java though, so I guess I'll have to make it in JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, the other Java. Yeah, the other Java, right? Excellent. Yeah, and you're working at at Clerk now. So can you give us like a quick rundown of what's Clerk? Yeah, yeah. So I work at Clerk, and basically you can think of Clerk as complete user management for the modern web. So we're talking Next.js, React, Expo, uh, those kinds of frameworks, and essentially what it allows you to do is to have high converting, sign in and sign up, and also things like user profile, organization management, all those kinds of things you need to build the next SaaS or your next side project where you need authentication. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, this is the part of the, the conversation where I asked the, the naive questions that everyone's thinking of. So like, when you think of this customer management, this authentication, so like, how does Clerk compare to things like Off0 or like a Stitch? Yeah, so if you look at Stitch, I guess Stitch is always a good one. They're kind of in the same realm as us. 
Um, Stitch uses APIs, right? They give you a bunch of APIs and you build your own UI out from those APIs. What we do is we do it a little differently. So we give you pre-built components that you can mount to your Next.js application, basically just embed them with the standard components you'd see in React. And then we allow you to customize them however you want. Localization, appearance, all those things. And you can keep that all within your application. Unlike Auth0, where what usually happens is you get redirected outside of the flow. So Auth0 will put you on their own UI, and then you click through, and everyone knows what Auth0 kind of looks like. We give you that, and then we give you a bunch of hooks, helpers, and APIs to manage that user state. So if you need OAuth tokens to talk to GitHub, you can do that with a simple API call. Uh, if you need to protect your pages, you can use things that are already in frameworks. So Next.js, you could use middleware to protect pages, and we'll allow you to handle that all yourself. Essentially, we're basically the modern web's version of Auth0, but we do it much better. Excellent. That, that's that's my big pitch. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued because uh, back when I worked at, and I, I talked to Colin, uh, founder of Clerk as well, and uh, about this story. And when I was at Netlify, we had built like the Netlify Identity widget, right? Uh, which was like the way to authenticate with now the sort of transferred project, which is Netlify CMS. And it was specifically built for that one interaction. So that also was GoTrue, which is the open source library that. Built mm-hmm. that also does the authentication was also built during that that experience, and uh, net, like all those things still exist, but like it's not Netlify's focus. It's like not their main bread and butter in their product. Uh, so like it sounds like Clerk kind of fits in that gap, um, which was like that side project we had, which is Netlify Identity. Clerk can also handle that for folks. Exactly. Yeah, that's the idea. Here we're just like authentication isn't. Hard per se. Oh, famous last words. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get roasted for that. Colin will be uh, hit me up on Slack in a minute and be like, "Hey, I can't believe you said that in the podcast." But no, the the idea here is that like it's not overly hard, but there's like a lot of complexities you have to think about, right? Like, how do I use JWTs? How do I refresh tokens? How do I handle if someone happens to accidentally get access to someone's account? How do I handle OAuth for all these different providers? All those kinds of things start to add complexity to projects. Our idea here is that, like, hey, if you want sign up on this page, the component is sign up. That's it. That's the end of your sign up experience. Then you just go on the dashboard and say GitHub, Google, Twitter, Twitch. Those yeah. are the ones I want. Oh, for I want email, and I also want passwords. Hit save, and even if you're embedding that component, we'll handle that for you, and we'll show the UI the way it should be shown to the user. Yeah, yeah, and this is uh, something I saw. Um, I saw a tweet actually today from um, MCCCC, uh, which is Mike Kudermarsh. Yep, some people know Mike. Uh, he works at Planet Scale, and he was talking. He was joking that uh, if you want to get a promotion packet done for yourself, go build new auth inside the project you're working on. Yeah, and I come from a world where like we I still know Ruby on Rails back in the day, so we all use like the Devise Ruby Gem, mm-hmm. uh, which it sounds like we, we have like similar backgrounds, <laughs> very. Clearly similar backgrounds, but yeah, you use a device Ruby gem or you use off zero, use like the same thing, or you build your own, or then you sort of manage your own JWT, pass it around, generate that stuff. And like even as open source, like we're we're using Superbase for off today. But the the challenge is like there are some educations that we're hitting. Like we have multiple projects that we built with the same authentication library, our say same database, same authentication. 
separate Next.js apps. Like yep. this one's over here, that one's over here. So to handle the redirect, we actually had to like kind of press Superbase to like ship something for us to, or not for us, but we were in the like the discussion and the, the GitHub issues and be like, hey, we need to redirect from like random Vercel app or random Netlify app or random this URL, but use the same authentication. And that wasn't something that was like in the original roadmap for their authentication. But it sounds like Clerk is a little more malleable uh, and flexible in that in the situation. Yeah, yeah. So we have a basically two developer path, maybe three, but really it's two. So you have developers that just want auth. So just put this component on the page, you're done. End of the day, you've now got sign up, you've got sign in, you've got all these different flows. Then there's other people that are like, hey, I need like some weird edge case that like maybe not many people are using. How can I implement this with Clark? And we give you basically low level APIs or helpers to do your own flows. If you need a specific flow with a specific redirects and they need to be dynamic and all those kinds of things, you can do that with Clark today. And you just write it yourself. We give you all the hooks. We tell you how the hooks work, how the flows should work. And you can just basically use that to make your own flows, your own redirects, your own handling of things like that. And we got new features coming out for things like satellite applications, where maybe you share a database, but you have like three or four different apps that are like satellite apps that aren't the main one. We're shipping that, which will be probably out before this podcast. Uh, goes live, but things like that where it's like, yeah, we understand that sometimes you got to share a database of users, but each one of them has their own like nuances and new apps or whatever, and you can do that with Clark. So basically, if you think about how, let's say, PlanetScale is like, their f- main focus is like making good DX for databases, that's what Clark does. We make good DX for authentication for developers. Excellent. And I guess, so you mentioned Stitch, but like, it sounds like you're in a very interesting position where there's like a new evolution of the web and people, I don't think everyone's centralized on Next.js, but I think a lot of people are using Next.js uh, and React. Um, so now, like, you've, you've solved that problem for React devs, for JavaScript devs. I guess what's next for, for Clerk? Solving it for, for more frameworks, I think, is the answer, right? Yeah. So I think the answer really is like, how can we also solve this for B2B SaaS? Because B2B SaaS is hard. If anyone has built business to business, yeah, like single sign on. Yeah, like SSO, SAML, all that stuff. So we have that shipping soon. We'll have SAML. But there's also the other part of it. If you want to build your own business to business SaaS, there's things like, I need organizations. How do I decide who is an admin, who is a member, who is a super admin? All those kinds of things we're solving right now and making them better every day. But I think the real answer is like, we're going to go and build something else. RSC components for React server components, like we're, that's already planned to have like full RSC style components. Uh, we already have them in Next.js. So if you use AppRella, you can use server components today, but we want to provide those for vanilla React. And then we got things like uh, Android and iOS support for coming up soon too. We're going to bridge into the more into the mobile web outside of JavaScript frameworks. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I mean it's exciting times too as well. And like it, it also, Clerk has um, recently joined the Jamstack Fund as well. So like, yes, in good company with a bunch of other projects that are solving specific problems that eventually expand into bigger solutions. Right. And I do like the idea of like, so you mentioned like the sort of role-based access control, which is something like being able to have like admins and super admins, which we were going through that that sort of conversation or ex- example 
Like that's that's currently a problem that we're actually trying to solve right now for open source, where we do have the ability to share data amongst other folks, but we don't have the we don't have the team feature shipped yet. Right. But then now the question is like, how do we maintain like this person have access to that? Like we're building the table. Um, so I do it all just from scratch inside of our, our, our superbase tables today. But it sounds like Clerk gives you that not for free. Maybe it's like a, a paid experience. But so like, how does this break down? I'm a developer. I'm building an app. Do I have a free tier for Clerk, or, or am I like quickly into my twenty dollars a month situation? Yeah. So the way that Clerk works is that we give you a free tier uh, right now, as of the recording. So I can be open where you have a limit of 5,000 monthly active users. That means that 5,000 users have to at least log into your app in the month of, let's say we're in April. The month of April, if 5,000 users log in during the month of April and are active in your application, that is the maximum amount of free that you can have. With that, you get uh, the ability to build organizations that is in the free tier. So if you want organizations and you want to build B2B, we offer that, but you have a limited amount of orgs that you can build. And then things like specific features that aren't available, things like allow list, which is like a way to basically have an invite-only kind of application. Those things aren't available. And things like phone, which is costly, currently is not available in the free tier. But we are planning on making the free tier even more free in that the monthly active users is going to grow. So you get more of those if you want to be on the free tier. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and I just want to let everyone know if you have 5,000 monthly active users, you might be able to raise VC money. Right, exactly. We set it at 5,000 and then we felt that was fairly generous, but we think we're going to bump it up a bit more for free users that, you know, Maybe it's a free app, or maybe it's you know something in the open source space, or something like that, where they're not really bringing in any revenue, but they want to be able to offer this service. Like we we want you to be able to do that. So we're going to up those limits. But yeah, and then after that, you you start to go into the hobby plan, which is you know a dollar amount a month, and that unlocks other features like removing clerks branding. It also gives you ability to use phone if you want to. The allow list gets unlocked. So basically, we gate features depending on on what kind of tier that you're on. And we make it really clear and upfront, like even in development. So in our development environment, everything is unlocked. So if you want to test out, like, well, maybe I want phone, maybe I don't want phone, maybe I want this, maybe I want that. It's all unlocked in dev, but we tell you straight up, like, hey, by the way, this is a paid feature. So if you decide that you're going to dev with this, when you go to production, you're going to have to pay. Uh, we make it as clear as possible that, like, hey, everything's unlocked in dev mode, but once you go to production, you will have to pay. That's clever. Yeah, I'm not, my my engineering brain is like, oh, how do you how do you sort of gate that between dev mode and 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 production mode? Uh, I'm sure it's like super elegant and clever, or probably extremely simple. Um, <laughs> so I was going to go into that that detail, but I did want to actually um, talk through your role at Clerk and like mm. just the sort of developer experience, developer relations advocate. Like, what sort of things are you doing to engage developers at Clerk? Yeah, so we're, I'm doing something a little different than probably your standard, what people would consider a DevX or Dev Advocacy. So, my, my time right now is spent less creating content and more focused on how can I help users today have a better first touch experience with Clerk versus me having to help them get past that first touch. So right now, I spend a lot of time, I'm actually rewriting Clerk's documentation from scratch. 
it's completely open source now. So basically, if you're a dev and you want to want to come and help clerk, you can come and push PRs right to our docs, find an error, find maybe a cool snippet that you've written, those kinds of things we can now do. On top of that, I'm actually working on through support flows right now where I'm helping our support team, which is a one developer. We have one guy supporting you know, this million managed users at Clerk. It's just one guy on his own. So I'm helping with that by creating Discord bots and, and using some uh, fancy AI behind the scenes to deliver up docs, which is coming soon, things like that, and then improving our flows in general just, just to make that easier. Okay. Is that, that the Discord bot, is that open sourced as well? Yeah, it will be open sourced as well. Uh, yeah. I haven't finished it yet. We're still writing some stuff for it um, and tweaking some stuff. But yeah, the idea here is that like, hey, if you want a Discord bot that like someone asks a question, the first response from the Discord bot is like, hey, we've got your request. Here's all the things you can do to help us. Based on your question, here's a document, maybe a link to a doc. And then someone from our support team will be along shortly. And that's the idea. It could unstick the developer without the support team even needing to be there. Or it could at least give us all the details we need to go and talk to engineering or for our support guy to go and debug those kinds of things. Okay, excellent. Yeah, that sounds like fun. And also, knowing you from your content, it's uh, it's interesting to hear the, the other stuff you're doing, like the support workflows and uh, documentation, which is a, a big need for developer experience as well. I'm curious your thought. Um, I just kind of have a podcast, um, the sort of Snack Bites, software Snack Bites, mm-hmm. uh, and talked about DevRel. And like, we didn't go deep in this conversation, but like there definitely is like a something happening where a lot of folks are getting sort of laid off in the DevRel space. And I wanted to touch on that subject because uh, I know you you got laid off previously. Uh, but I'm curious, like, is, do you think there's like a, a change happening right now in DevRel? I don't know if whether or not it's a change. I think the attitude towards DevRel has kind of changed, maybe. A big thing for me was I saw a lot of companies hiring influencers as DevRel. Yeah. And thinking that was the solution, right? Oh, someone has 100K followers on Twitter, they must know what they're doing. And then they come to find out that they have no idea how DevRel works and like how to help those feedback loops and all those kinds of things. They just know how to market. So I have seen this big change in in companies now hiring people that actually may not have huge followings or may not have big YouTube channels or may not have all these things, but they have good experience in delivering either high-quality content, written, video, whatever, but also are really good at producing feedback loops that allow developers to actually feel heard and also feel like the company cares about them. Because people believe that, like, even at Clerk, people have asked me, like, oh, you must have like 100 people. I'm like, no, when I started here, it was like 10 people. And now it's like, you know, less than 30 people. Like, we don't have a huge team. Like, we're not Auth Zero. We're not, you know, Amazon or anything like that. It was a very small team, but we're highly productive because these feedback loops allow you to complain to me and then me to, you know, advocate for you of like, this is a good reason. Like, we should do this. How can we get this guy unstuck? Those kinds of things. So I think there is a change, but I think it's more about companies understanding what DevRel actually is versus what they thought it was. Yeah, that's actually extremely valuable too as well because I, I I did a uh, like a, a ton of conversation with uh, early stage founders about these early DevRel hires, and my consistent feedback was like probably don't hire a DevRel person. Mm-hmm. Um, like 
first 10 people at the gate, like, unless you really, really know what you need and you know what you, like, you want to get out of them, like, don't hire them because it can't be on the DevRel person to, like, figure it out once they hit the ground running. Though, really good DevRel folks will be able to figure it out. But I think at that point, you're probably overpaying, right? uh, To be quite honest. But I think what I heard from you is like the feedback loop is actually the most valuable part of that experience is getting someone that can get information from developers and then having a response to that. So, like in my world, like I did work for a very large company, which was GitHub. Well, yeah. honestly, very large is kind of a stretch. Like, yeah, that's that's a stretch. Yeah, we were less than two thousand people for my entire time that I was there, but presented as much a much larger company. But I also did that feedback loop thing pretty consistently, where I didn't want to be the person always being in front of the camera or writing the blog post, right? But I wanted to unlock getting those individuals that do that stuff to use their network to then get feedback for GitHub uh, without. Burning myself out, yeah, and I think that's a lot. A lot of what I saw ten years ago in DevRel was a lot of developer advocates and really good engineers moving into DevRel because they liked to be on stage, they liked writing blog posts. But it was very consistent that after like two to four years, you go back to engineering because uh, yeah. no one could keep up traveling. And well, some people are really good at it; they travel the entire world. But the world of um, you mentioned content, like being on stage at a conference. Uh, that world also is kind of dying as well. Like there's there's less conferences and there's there's still the big ones, but I can't justify hiring somebody to go travel the world and pay for their plane ticket and hotel to give a you know a thirty minute talk in a room full of fifteen people in a hotel right or a hotel conference room like that just, that kind of seems silly. Yeah, and the and the flip side of that too is that like uh, a lot of people believe that DevRels have to go to conferences. Yeah. But I, I, I want to make it clear that de- DevRels in general don't have to go to conferences. It, it, it's more about like, what do you bring as value that is outside of engineering? Could you bring it in good feedback loops? Maybe you've done that as a project manager. Maybe you've done that before between engineering and other people in your company. That stuff is DevRel, but just done internally with internal customers. And I don't think people realize how many people outside of engineering actually do DevRel every day. And you don't have to go on stage. You don't have to go and do talks. You don't have to make YouTube content. You don't have to make podcasts and blog posts. Some people do that. There are many different types of DevRel. There are content. There is feedback loop people. There's all sorts of people. And I kind of bridge the what I would count as like the three types of DevRel. I just basically do myself uh, at the moment. And that's just out of pure choice. Like Those are things I like to do. So I, I just do them all. Yeah, so uh, any other things you wanted to mention about Clerk uh, as we're winding down the conversation? I wanted to make sure we had time for picks. <laughs> yeah, you know, come check us out. I, I guarantee you won't be disappointed. And if you are disappointed, I'm the guy you can come talk to about it. I think we've changed how Auth works in general, especially in modern frameworks. You know, Next.js, React, Gatsby, Redwood, all of those things. You can have authentication in under five minutes. I guarantee it. Come check us out. And if you like us, stick around. I guarantee in a year we will have more features than you can ever imagine. Cool, cool. And I, so my quick question is, uh, for folks who already have authentication somewhere else, like how easy it is to switch to Clerk today? Yeah, if you have authentication already, come talk to us. We can do zero downtime migrations. We've done it with loads of different people. If you have Firebase and you're already on that, we have a guide that allows you to do Firebase. If you're on Superbase, if you're on Auth0, Come talk to us. We have a bunch of engineers that will guide you through exactly what to do to go from X to us and we'll <laughs> happily help you. 
Perfect. Well, I want to switch us to picks. So these are jam picks, stuff that we're jamming on. It could be music, food, technology related. All of the above is, yeah, definitely have your pick. Uh, but if you don't mind, I'll go first, which it, I'm going to have a boring pick. Uh, I, my pick is going to be LinkedIn, which is, it's not what I would expect, but mm-hmm. I, I've actually, as a, I guess, now founder, uh, content creator, uh, head of product, head of sales, head of customer success. I've actually been using LinkedIn for a lot of experiments. And uh, back in my time at GitHub, we would experiment pretty, I'd experiment pretty consistently on different platforms to figure out where conversions happen. Not to be like a sort of big brand or have a, a be an influencer places. So I did TikTok for a while, I did YouTube for a while, did Instagram for a while, also did Giphy for a while. Like there's, like all these places you can you can sort of test the waters and figure out if there's if there's something there and then like build a program around it. And what I've been doing with open source is I've been doing these like two to three posts a week where I'll just be uh, different types of frameworks. So I, I got a list of frameworks of different posts that you do on LinkedIn. And um, uh, I'll, I divulged in a, a future blog post or newsletter like the more details about this, but like one is like, Obviously, like behind the scenes, like a lot of people on Instagram do this, where you take a picture while you're on this podcast, and like, hey, did a podcast with James. Here's a story that I learned from James. Here's the link to the podcast, and those do okay. But the thing that works the best is like career advice for obvious reasons on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So during like the the most recent tech layoffs in the last couple months, I did like a very like a simple post of like, hey, back in 2008, I graduated with a finance degree in the worst market and the worst job to have. Uh, tried to do that. And it ended up getting like, quite a few impressions. And uh, it was a big conversion for getting signups for, for open source. And mm-hmm. the goal was really like to share my story and show that you could get roles through open source was like the, the post. And I think if you're doing content, you're doing DevRel, uh, or if you're like trying to build a product in the Jamstack, I'd consider looking at LinkedIn because like the folks who are on there and engaged are folks who want to be engaged with companies and, and engineers and other folks. So yeah, that's my pick. Like try LinkedIn. There's some other stuff you could do like newsletters and live streaming and audio that make it it's like a it's a it's like the sleeper social network. Yep. I'm always impressed on how much I get like 10x engagement on LinkedIn than I do on Twitter. And I, I want to say I have a bigger following on Twitter. I don't know how many I don't I don't even know how many followers I have on LinkedIn. That's the crazy part. But I get some crazy engagement over there. Yeah, yeah, I I love LinkedIn for that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you can do really well with, especially career advice and 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 things like that, and like being open about, especially around now with layoffs in tech, which is wild, by the way. That that kind of stuff is is you know super good for people on LinkedIn to understand that like this has happened before, and it'll happen again. But like, here's some of the stuff we've done over the past thirteen years. Here you go. Yeah, I I don't have a boring pick, although maybe it is a boring pick. I don't know. Um, okay, so I uh, big VS Code user for years, but minimal plugins. I have three plugins. That's all I use for VS Code. Anyway, so Zed has finally come out into open beta. It is a high performance multiplayer style code editor. I guess is the right way. It's from the people that created Atom, so it's it's super nice. Uh, I actually just made the full switch. I've been using it for three weeks. No VS Code. It's super fast. It uses less memory, less everything than VS Code. And it has an awesome collaboration tool where you can basically just click a button and invite your engineer into your code and you can start hacking away together. Nice. Super nice. Check it out. It's uh, z.dev, I believe, is the right URL. 
and uh, check out the beta. It's been it's been awesome. Yeah, I, I saw it come. I, well, I remember when it launched, and yeah, it was um, I think mostly former GitHub folks because that's where Adam came out of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's also built in Rust as well. Yes, it is built in Rust. Yeah, so Rust is <laughs> the new hotness. So go learn it. Yeah, uh, actually, I will mention that Rust has really come along as a language. I, I I toyed around with it back in like 2015, early early days, pre 1.0, and uh, a bit confusing for me because I didn't I didn't come from a C or a C plus plus. Well, C would have been easier, but C plus plus I didn't I didn't understand the sort of mini, memory management and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think Rust has become way more elegant. So if you if you are like me and haven't touched it in years, definitely worth looking at it again. Yeah, hundred percent. Rust is good. Rust is fun. If you want something a little different uh, with more elegant memory management and some other stuff, it's definitely worth checking out, especially now. Cool. Yeah. Check out Zed for sure. Uh, do you have another pick for us? I do. Uh, one more. Uh, it's another tech one. It's Upstash. Upstash is essentially serverless data from like Redis or somewhere like that where you can basically use it on the edge. It works really well with like Next.js, and you can also implement things like rate limiting with like two lines of code. So instead of having to try and build your own rate limiter, you can use theirs using Redis, and it takes like, yeah, maybe five minutes to set up, and you can start protecting routes with rate limiting. In uh, yeah, it's really good. It's a great, great thing. I don't think they get enough love in the industry and in, in our space right now, but they're really one of the uh, easiest and fastest way to do things like caching and, and rate limiting. Uh, definitely check it out. Perfect. Yeah, I, I definitely looked at it um, a couple months ago. I think I saw it on the, one of Theo's live streams. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, it's it's not a problem I'm solving directly because I, I now hire people for that. But uh, right, yeah, it's definitely a thing that uh, it's on my radar. And if I ever want to start from scratch again and build my own servers and uh, <laughs> connect that to my my Next.js app. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, James, thanks so much for coming through, talking about Clerk, folks. Definitely check it out. It's definitely it's. I think the the development in the last couple of months has like been amazing. Also, we didn't even talk about like your uh, Clerk being uh, tweeted out by Nat Friedman recently as well. Yes, so getting a ton of exposure that way. So, everyone go check out that tweet. Yes. and what Nat's building. Nat.dev. Everybody go to Nat.dev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go authenticate and, and log in. Uh, I don't even know what he's building. It's like some sort of AI, probably some AI thing or whatever. Yep. It's a, it's like an AI thing. And uh, I checked it out right in the beginning and he's been working really hard on it. And uh, we see a lot of spikes in traffic every week. And uh, he's having a good time. He really liked Clark and it took him just a few minutes to get it started. So it was great. Yeah, amazing. It's it's nice to have that that experience which you're working on, that sort of zero to dev experience. So, folks, uh, if you followed me for a while, uh, it seems like my previous heavy bit talks as well. I'm all about onboarding, and if you get onboarding, uh, and I say that with the caveat, our onboarding and open source not great yet. We'll focus on that eventually, but yeah, onboarding is like as soon as you hear about the product, how quickly can you be? behind the driver's seat. And that's that's an amazing experience for Clark that you all are providing. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 